Welcome to Two Pediatricians in a Podcast, a podcast where two pediatricians discuss child health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Rostein. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians from UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. Hi, my name is Heather, and I'm the mom of a 14-year-old girl just starting high school. Because we are in the age of technology, she is constantly using her laptop for homework and her phone to talk to others, so she is never not connected. I'm worried that she and others are spending so much time on these screens that they are missing out on actual human interaction. Although she is being productive while using these screens, is this healthy? Do you recommend general rules about how much time teens, especially high schoolers, should be spending on their devices? I need a little help. Yeah, I I don't think she's the only one who needs a little help because teens, I mean, even younger schooler age kids, they're just immersed in media these days. I know. And this is such a common question that we get from parents. It's a huge concern. And I've been asked to do a podcast on this multiple times. So I'm so happy it's coming up. Oh, that's great. So we're going to talk about not just broadcast media, right? Nope. We're going to talk about more than broadcast media like TVs and movies, but we need to talk about things like social media. Uh Uh-huh. So, like, I know all about that, like Instabook and Facegram, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think you're talking about Instagram and Facebook. Those are two of the most common ones. But kids are also using things like Twitter and Snapchat. Yeah, that's what I meant. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Plus video games and the huge and growing everyday number of applications on our iPhones that we use every day. And we need them. I mean, we, we use them all the time. It'd be hard to function without them. You're right, Dr. Dean, but the concern is in school-age kids. That's 5 to 18-year-olds. Sometimes it seems like they're glued to their phones. Mm -hmm, They are. Let's get some perspective on this. How many teenagers do you think own a smartphone? Well, pretty much anybody who could afford one. So that's probably close to like 80% or so. Close. It's actually more than 95%. That's incredible. It is. And more than three quarters of them use at least one social media site, with most teens being connected to multiple social media sites. So we're talking about this like it's a problem, but we know that when we use social media and these apps, that we use them for good, they're constructive, so there's benefits to using them, right? Of course there's benefits to using media. Kids are more connected to current events and issues going on around them. It's easier for them to participate in their local communities and collaborate easily with their peers. Mm -hmm. And, of course, if they're using it appropriately, they can become more educated by having access to this information. Right, they can look stuff up. But what are the risks of too much media use? Well, too much media use can lead to obesity, and that's a huge concern. Obesity. So what? They're like eating their smartphones? they got to be like low calorie, right? (laughs) Of course they're not eating their smartphones. You know this. But when kids are accessing media frequently, they're typically not as physically active. They can be more sedentary, and they may snack and do other things while they're using their smartphones or using media. So they're sitting around looking up stuff on Twitter and just like having video games or playing video games and grabbing a potato chip or something like that. Exactly. One study found that adolescents with more media use were at a five times greater risk for being overweight than their peers who used less media. That is a huge, big risk then, isn't it? It is. And there's also an issue with sleep in kids that use a lot of media. And what's the sleep issue? 
Children who use more media have a higher risk of sleep disturbance. And why is that? One reason that we can think of is the light from the screen on their devices. It affects that chemical that we talked about before called melatonin. The sleep hormone, right? Yeah, so affecting your melatonin can delay and disrupt adequate sleep. And if teens don't get enough sleep, then this can negatively impact their school performance, right? That's right. Yeah, so I remember that because when we did the school start times episode, we talked about that. Yeah, so you are learning from our discussions. Well, I'm learning some. (laughs) Another risk of media use is that kids can become overly preoccupied with this. So I've heard about this. This is like addiction or something like that. Yeah, kids with heavy media use have less interest in other activities that parents and healthcare providers and teachers want them to be more engaged in. So things like real-life relationships and actual face-to-face interaction. Yeah, or playing on sports teams or being in clubs or other extracurricular activities. They can sometimes avoid these other important activities because they're spending too much time on their media. So what other important activities are they avoiding? They may put off doing homework or chores, which I'm sure their parents are not liking. Right, or their teachers. I mean, that's going to hinder their future success. Yeah. What do you think about children who use entertainment media, like listening to music while they're doing their homework? So I hear about some people who do that, and what they say is it makes them more efficient, and they can get their work done, and it's more pleasurable for them. So that's fine, right? Well, actually not. So many parents think the same way that you did, Dr. Dean, but multitasking like this, so listening to music or texting while doing your homework or, you know, reading for school has actually been proven to negatively impact learning. Well, that's no good. Yeah. And that's why this can be a problem. So let's talk about the media content for a little bit. Good idea. So what about the messages that kids are exposed to via either traditional media or social media? This is a real concern for us as providers and parents because they're exposed to things that we don't want teenagers seeing. They're exposed to things like smoking and other substance use, and it can sometimes glamorize these things. They can also be exposed to sexually explicit material like sexting or cyberbullying. And so you're saying that sometimes the media messages that they're seeing or hearing, they're normalizing these behaviors and they're making them even sound desirable. Exactly. And that's why it's not just the use of media, but it's the messages that these kids are seeing while on media that can be of concern to parents and providers. So you mentioned sexting. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, as most parents probably know, sexting is the electronic transmission of nude or semi-nude images or sexually explicit material or words over text messaging. And how common is sexting? Well, this statistic kind of blows my mind, but it's estimated that more than 10% of teenagers have sent a sexually explicit photo to someone else. More than 10%. That is really much higher than I would expect. Yeah, So, and once it's sent, then it can be shared with others, right? Yeah, and that's a huge concern because teenagers from that can be cyberbullied because of these photos or sex offenders may exploit them down the line if they get their hands on them. So that's a real danger. It is a really big danger and one that I think all parents of teenagers need to be aware of and have discussions with their kids surrounding this topic. I also want to talk about mental health as it relates to media use. Okay. Can you think of any positives related to media and mental health for kids? So one thing we've talked about with social media is that one of the benefits is it helps them to connect socially with other other people, their peers. Yeah. Any other positives you can think of? So for some kids, this can serve as a platform for support networks. Yes. 
One thing that I've seen a lot of it from social media that's great is connecting children with chronic illnesses or those who may feel marginalized or excluded. Like, like who? Like which children? One group you might think of are children who identify as gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender, or kids with chronic medical conditions like diabetes, even cancer. I see. So social media can help these children who feel isolated, that they can connect with a supportive community online, no matter where they live, even if it's not this network isn't available, like physically or geographically. Exactly. These online communities can be great for parents as well as kids. So kids have this network, but parents who are going through it too may have other parents to talk to. So we've seen these organizations online be really beneficial. Mm -hmm. So we kind of mentioned this before related to sexting, but what about privacy concerns? This is really important and I'm glad you brought it up. So let's say a kid posts a picture or a comment or other content that's hateful or racist or otherwise just really dumb. And they'd like to take it back, so they delete it, right? Yeah, I think I see what you're getting at. They delete it, but on the internet, you know how that works. It doesn't really disappear. Right, and why doesn't it disappear? Well, because once it's posted, it can be archived. And so even if you think you're removing it, it may still be accessible. And then it can haunt them forever. Right. So I've seen this with, like, athletes and others who become famous, and Mm -hmm. then people start researching their past social media posts, and they're there even after they've deleted them. Exactly. And I think all of us, you know, look back to when we're teenagers and think of some of, like, the horrible, embarrassing things that we've done in the past. Well, I can't remember that far (laughs) back. That's true. It's been a while for you. (laughs) But I can, and I, for one, am grateful that I didn't live in a time when every— thing as you're developing was being, you know, recorded online. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that this is a really important thing for parents to talk about with their teenagers because it can really, like we were talking about, haunt them in the past. So yeah, so the adolescents and, and younger kids too, they need to understand how to protect their privacy. Exactly. So we've talked a lot about negative concerns related to media use, and it seems like we've talked a lot less about the positives. There are still positives, though, to media use. And so let's get back to one of the main positives. And what is that? It would be pretty much impossible to function in today's world without media use. I mean, I can't imagine being without a smartphone or a tablet. I know. I mean, let's look at what we have in front of us right now. I have my computer. And I've got my laptop. Dr. Dean has his laptop. (laughs) We both have our iPhones. And Dr. Dean has a pager, which actually dates him, although in medicine we still use pagers. So I have one, too, actually. Right. So given all the concerns we have, I mean, the media use and smartphones, they're, they're here to stay. They are here to stay, but we need to be able to guide our kids in using media and screen time appropriately. And every child and family and community, it, they're different. Yeah, media use is highly personalized. So I'm getting the idea that when we're talking about guidelines, we're not going to talk about strict guidelines or rules, a set of rules for smartphone and media use for children. Yeah, parents have to develop a really personalized media plan with their children and their family and take in a wide variety of factors. A personalized media plan. I like that. So what factors should parents consider? Well, let's first start with age. Of course, not just age, um, chronological age, but developmental stage also, right? Right. In addition to that, their health, their temperament, and the community they live in. Because parents want to make sure that media and smartphone use doesn't negatively impact other activities, right? Exactly. So children can get adequate sleep and physical activity, and that means that in order to do that, they need time away from media. So how can parents do this and make sure that kids are away from media? 
They have to be thoughtful and develop a family media use plan. So what's a family media use plan? This is a plan that should work for families with what is in their values and parenting style. There are some really great examples online, and we can post a copy of a sample family media plan on our website. That'd be great. So it respects that media can enhance daily life and be beneficial. Yeah, and if used inappropriately or without thought, media can displace many important and healthy activities that are necessary for children's development. So we're talking face-to-face, person-to-person interaction, exercise, sleep, family time. Right. So media needs to be treated like any other environment in your family's life. So that pretty much involves setting limits, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about limits. Is there any clear guidance on screen time limits? It is tricky because we don't have one clear-cut answer. Okay, so our guiding organization that we look to for policy and, like, really, really Mm -hmm. good limits and stuff is the American Academy of Pediatrics. And so they don't have screen time limits? The American Academy of Pediatrics does have some screen time limits that they recommend. Okay, so what are they? They say absolutely no screen time for infants and children up to 18 months of age except for video chatting. Okay, because that's an exception because they might want to remain connected with, like, the grandparents who live in another state or something like that. Exactly, yeah. Okay, and what about older children? For older children, they say up to one hour per day of all screen time combined for children up to five years of age. So that's 18 months to five years. And that's all screen time, so that's, like, TV, smartphone, tablet, etc. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what about older children? For 5 to 11, they say up to two hours per day. Okay. And what about older children, 12 and older, like teens? Yeah, I think getting into the school age makes it challenging. And so they don't have clear recommendations once we get up into the middle school and high school years. But we need guidance for (laughs) these kids and parents, right? Yeah, let's talk about some recent research that may help guide us to give parents information about this. Okay, because we want to look at research because we want to look at the data to convince us that these guidelines are not just made up and just somebody decides it's a good idea. Okay, all right. So, some studies. One recent study showed that these older children who spent two hours or less daily on screens performed better overall on cognitive functioning. So, cognitive functioning. So, explain that, please. This means that more screen time resulted in worse reasoning, memory, attention, and language. And that's not good. Mm -hmm. So it's clear that too much screen time is really bad for children intellectually. Yeah, and it's not just that. Another study found more screen time led to actual changes in children's brains. Really? Like anatomic changes? Children with more time reading and less screen time had better functional connections between parts of the brain that are responsible for visual word formation, language, and cognitive control. And more screen time led to worse connections between these areas of the brain? Yeah. Wow. So even though we don't have formal guidelines, it seems like there's a compelling case for limits on screen time for older children, right? Yeah, I agree. This recent research suggests that teens as well should limit their leisure screen time to about two hours per day, and that's excluding the amount of time that they might need to spend on schoolwork. Because they might need to spend two or four hours on schoolwork the way schools go these I know, days. writing essays and researching for projects and stuff. I know I was spending that much when I was in high school, so. Yeah. Okay, so that sounds like a very good starting point. Yeah. 
So since we're talking about potentially setting strict time limits on use, we should probably talk about automated ways for parents to set up these time limits. Okay, so I don't really know much about this. <laughs> <laughs> so for example, Apple has a new function on its latest software update that hopefully most of us have done by now. I keep getting the reminder about it, but I keep ignoring it, mm-hmm. that we can set a screen time function. And what, what does this function do? This function monitors app use and allows users or parents to establish limits. So this is a kind of a hard limit setting um, that's only available on iPhones? No, other devices have it too. So Google for Families, Google Play are found for Android phones. And there are other independent apps that parents could download to help monitor this. And how do these work? These features need to be set up so you they're not just a default Mm-hmm. And so a kid uses a smartphone and they're using all the apps They're on Twitter and <laughs> Facebook, whatever, and then they get up to the limit. Then what happens? The phone just will shut off those programs that the kids are on so that they can't access them anymore. Another way that you could do it is set your timer to shut the phone off after a certain amount of time. So um, if I'm the kid <laughs> and this is happening to me, I would be very upset when that happened. Uh, I know. I think that this could lead to some teenage temper tantrums, which are even worse than our toddler temper tantrums (laughs) Mm -hmm. that we talked about in a past episode. But it's uh, also, I will say that I've had teenagers who have come into my office having this problem where they're, you know, their parents are upset because they're on things all the time. And what they really need are stronger limit setting by the parents. Mm -hmm. And they've even asked, told me that in the office. Like, I need to be cut off from video games. So sometimes if you do set these limits, then they'll learn to to use the phone, use the apps within the limits, and that'll be good for them. They might even appreciate it. Exactly. So it's important for parents to know that they can monitor their use and they can set them up for this allotted amount of screen time. Okay, so those are interesting automated options for setting screen time limits. Are there any other recommendations? I always recommend that my parents know their children's friends, both online and off. Well, that makes sense. And they should also know what platforms, apps, and software that their children are using. Yeah. I think it's important here to differentiate, though, that we don't want to spy on our teens. You're Um, not recommending spying. No. Like, (laughs) I wouldn't log into your children's Facebook. I think it's better to have, like, an open discussion with them. Mm Mm-hmm about it because you still want to have trust with your teenager. I think that's a really important aspect to do here. So you want to know your your children's friends. You want to know what they're up to. If they'll friend you on Facebook, I think that's a good way to watch. But I don't mm-hmm. think that you should snoop behind your kid's back. Okay. So be open and honest about it. Exactly. Okay. Do you have any other specific steps to follow? Yeah. You want to address what type of media your children are using and what media behaviors are appropriate for each child and teen. What about um, what's appropriate for parents to do in terms of social media use? Yeah, your kids, no matter how old they are, if they're younger, if they're teenagers, they're looking to you as a role model. So your use with media is influencing them. So parents can teach and model kindness and model good manners online. What else? They should discourage entertainment media while the kids are doing their homework. And because we know that this will enhance their learning. Mm -hmm. And avoid exposures to smartphones, computers, TVs for at least one hour before bedtime. So that this doesn't delay sleep onset. Mm -hmm. And what about promoting other media-free, healthy activities? 
It's important to designate media-free times together as a family. So this is something like family dinner. Nobody can have their smartphone at the table. Yeah, and I always recommend media-free zones. So exactly like you were saying, in the dining room, in the bedrooms, those would be media-free zones for not just the kids, but for you too as a parent, which I know is hard. That's (laughs) going to be a challenge, yeah. (laughs) What about um, other activities? Make sure that smartphones and media do not interfere with physical activities and adequate sleep. So that makes sense. We want kids to exercise and get enough sleep. Um, What about when parents aren't around? They can't always be monitoring their kids. Then these guidelines need to be communicated clearly to other care providers. So like babysitters, grandparents. Yep, so that media rules are consistently followed. I remember growing up, my parents would not let us watch the Ninja Turtles because they thought it was too violent. Really? But our babysitter always let us watch the Ninja Turtles. And (laughs) Uh so we would just binge watch Ninja Turtles when we were with our babysitter. (laughs) So just it reinforces the um, kids will get around your rules if you don't um, communicate them clearly to the babysitters. So when your father listens to this episode, is he going to be upset with the babysitter? (laughs) Okay, now you kind of alluded to this before, but what about viewing media with your child? Yeah, I think this can be a challenge. Right, because children want their privacy. Especially teenagers, right? Mm -hmm. But you can do this. Right, because screen time doesn't have to be alone time. Yeah, and co-viewing media with your child can help you not only monitor their use um, and kind of watch what they're getting into, but you can have really open discussions about the things that you're seeing with them. Mm -hmm. So like if you see potentially unhealthy messages and any kind of online behavior concerns. Exactly. Make sure you're having an ongoing communication with them about how to be a good citizen online, safety, treating others with respect, and how to avoid cyberbullying and some of those other sexually explicit material we talked about earlier. Okay, and not compromising their personal privacy or safety. Exactly. So, um, this whole discussion reminds me of a joke. <laughs> oh, shocking! <laughs> okay, so what do you call it when your grandma is on speed dial? Uh, I don't know. Instagram. <laughs> like Instagram, I got it. That wraps up this episode of Two Pediatricians in a Podcast. You can find more information about all of these subjects on our Facebook page, T-W-O, Peds in a Pod, all one word. Our website is at blog.ucdmc.ucdavis.edu slash two peds in a pod slash. Follow us on Twitter at two underscore peds, the number two underline P-E-D-S. Or Instagram at the number two peds in a pod, no spaces. If you're enjoying listening to our podcast, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we'd love to hear from you. You can call us at 916-915-3388. Or email us at 2thenumber2pedsinapod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us for our next podcast. Two Pediatricians in a Podcast is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. All right, Dr. Dean, so be honest. How much time do you spend on your phone? Um, 
I spend some time on the phone because I like to follow friends and other things on Instagram and on Twitter. And Twitter, I learned you, a lot. You're really active on Twitter. Well, today, or was it yesterday, I think I did like three posts. But yeah. some sometimes I'll go like three weeks without doing any posts. Yeah. yeah. You have little spurts of I when do. you're interested in it. Yeah. I have to say I probably spend more than two hours a day on my phone. Really? Yeah. Wow. More for work, but I also am a fan of social media. I listen to some other podcasts, although I'm not a TV watcher. Mm-hmm. Do you have any shows that you're into? No, we don't watch much TV at home, except my my wife likes to watch the news. But, you know, now that you mention it, so I'm going to come clean. Because I, I th- <laughs> now I'm reminded of things I use my phone for yeah. that I just don't even think about it. But I do listen to, like, podcasts, some news yeah. podcasts, like yeah. the BBC News. I like to listen to their... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have this global <laughs> news update every day, uh-huh. and I find it, it I find it has like really nice perspective. So I, yeah. I listen to that every day. That's good. And then I also think that you mentioned it for work. I don't even think about that, but like we use a platform called Tiger Text. Yeah, all in the our time. hospital to communicate about patients and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So that's yeah. really important for us. It is. It is. We use it for that. We use it for. I mean, I use it for. Do you even have a real camera anymore? No. (laughs) Yeah, nobody does. So, I mean, there are a lot of wonderful things, but I think we all have to be reminded, I know I do, um, to put it away and Mm -hmm. just kind of focus on the real world around us, take a walk with the dog, Mm -hmm. eat dinner, have real conversations with people, remember to pick up the phone and, you know, call my friends or my dad or things like that. I hardly ever use the phone for the phone. <laughs> <laughs> for the phone part, yeah, for the phone aspect anymore. Uh-huh. So this is something we're always, always working on. But it reminds me of another use of the phone is we saw that patient um, last week with yeah. the interesting skin findings and we yeah. won't talk about it. We won't reveal the patient or anything. Yeah. But it was really yeah. an interesting case and really interesting skin findings. And you took some very nice photos mm-hmm. of that, and that. With, with their consent. Yeah. And you know, put that in their patient's chart. That yeah. was very useful for teaching purposes and really helps you know um, people monitor the skin lesions over time. Yeah. But think how hard that would have been if you had to like search for an actual <laughs> camera and then yeah. how would you have like transferred it, how clumsy that would be to transfer Too it much. and get it Too into much. the chart. Yeah. So would you say you're an addict? I don't. I wouldn't say I'm an addict, but because um, you know we were out of the country for two weeks, yeah. so I, I hardly used my phone at all. Okay, I think I'm borderline. Yeah, <laughs> but working on it. <laughs> at least I admit it. Okay, well that's that's the first step. 